I'm excited. Uh, I've always said, you know, we're built to sustain here, and that's my, my motto. We're not trying to be a one-hit wonder. We want to put a really good football team out there each year, and uh, we're well on our way to doing that this time. Well, we know Georgia's going to be there at season's end. Now, will they be good enough to make the playoff? Probably. We'll break down why Georgia this year might look a little bit different than they have in each of the last two seasons. Exciting times in Athens, but maybe for reasons that are a little bit different than what you might anticipate. Welcome to Always College Football. Today is Monday, April 17th. We're going to put a bow today on several different spring games. We're going to play a pretty fun game of overreaction or fair. So we'll address, hey, some of the overreactions that are coming from these outcomes in the spring game, we're going to tell you whether or not you're fair to feel that way, or if you know maybe I would maybe I would relax a little bit. So we'll kind of we'll kind of address where some of these teams are. Some of those teams include the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Texas Longhorns, the defending two-time national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs, Ole Miss, Florida State, Clemson, a bunch of teams that have really high hopes heading into the summer and fall. So we won't waste any time. Let's get into it. Overreaction or fair when evaluating some of these spring games. All right, moving in after the result of several spring games this past weekend. Time to kind of evaluate where are these teams? Are they in a good spot? Are they in a bad spot? Where are the liabilities? What were some of the surprises? So we kind of went down the gamut. And looked through a bunch of these different teams, watched a bunch of different spring games, came away with a few takeaways, and Kubiak being who he is, he wanted to obviously create some drama, so he decided to create overreaction or fair. That's going to be the way we assess some of these potential championship contenders, teams that have high hopes and aspirations for this upcoming season, but are they in a good spot based on what we saw this past weekend. So, Coobs, let's get it kicked off with the Ohio State Buckeyes. All right, McElroy, overreaction or fair? The Ohio State offensive line is an issue. Fair. As of right now, it's fair. But let's always keep in mind, some of the times when we're evaluating these spring games, you're going against each other, right? So, what might be concerning about your offensive line might also be a feather in the cap of your defensive line. So I would sometimes just resist the urge to overreact like we've talked about with our eight rules of spring just a couple weeks ago. You look at some of the defenders and some of the one-on-one matchups that were pretty legit those defensive linemen looked really good. I mean, Tyleek Williams, Jaden McKenzie, several others. We already know JT Tolumolaow. We know Sawyer. We know that they have quality front line pieces defensively. I think the biggest worry, though, for me is that the offensive line, they didn't even have to worry about blitzes in this game. There were no pressures. There were no overloads. This is purely... Just Jim Knowles' defense and one-on-one situations getting victories up front. So, yes, it is fair to be a little concerned with what the offensive line is right now. However, we're still a long way away from having to lace them up and having to go against quality competition, so they have time. If we're going to find a couple positives from the spring game for the Buckeyes, let's talk quickly about what Chip Trainum did. 
We all know his story, sporadic playing time on special teams, started the season last year at linebacker, transitioned back to running back after there were injuries to that spot. And he clearly, and no, he didn't get a ton of opportunities, but the guy went out there and had 110 yards and eight attempts, including the 65-yard touchdown run that looked pretty dang good. So a guy that has kind of been positionless in some ways the last couple of years, he clearly is settling in, is probably a name that you need to be aware of. Now, how many carries is going to take from Travion? How many carries is he going to take from Maya Williams? Those are conversations that are still to be addressed. But Chip Trainum clearly, based on his performance in the spring game, is going to have a role within the offense. And then how can we talk about Ohio State's spring game without referencing the quarterback position? Now, we didn't get to see it at full strength. Devin Brown, of course, not available in the game. But we did get a good long look of Kyler McCord. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, it didn't necessarily do anything to seize control of the position. And while I would agree with that, there were some flash moments. I mean, the 37-yard touchdown throw to Carnell Tate on the deep ball was a thing of beauty. You also look at a couple of the throws that he made to Marvin Harrison Jr. in the second quarter. thought there were some really nice highlights there. But he was a little bit inconsistent, had the interception, well, I mean, nearly threw an interception in the third play of the game. And it did feel like at times he just didn't have a lot of opportunities. And we've talked already about how the offensive line had their fair share of ups and downs. I am not at this point going to throw in the towel on what Kyle McCord can do. It's going to be hard to tell at this point. I think he's a versatile quarterback that can create with his legs, but the defense also couldn't really tackle him, so it was difficult to kind of diagnose what that play might have actually gained if he were to have gotten out there and figuring things out. He's also without Egbuka. He's out. He's without Xavier Johnson. He's without Julian Fleming. So it's not like he had all of his weapons at his disposal as well. So I'm going to say just wait and see on the quarterback spot for the Ohio State Buckeyes. Of course, we need to see one guy who was obviously not in action this past weekend, but Kyle McCord, I thought, did some nice things, but certainly has some room to grow as well. So good news for the Ohio State Buckeyes. A lot of time before they need to kick off. and. Two, still a ridiculously talented roster. All right, Texas, naming Quinn Ewers the starter after the spring game takes the pressure off. Overreaction or fair? Fair. But I also don't know how much pressure there really was going into the spring. Now, we talked and documented the quarterback competition that was more on those two guys that were in the competition beyond Quinn Ewers in a moment. But this was supposed to be Quinn Ewer's job. He was supposed to lock things down this spring. So it's fair that the pressure's lifted, but there really shouldn't have been much pressure to begin with. Let's start with his day, however. Clearly, it was a guy last year that in the first part of the season had a lot of confidence, was playing extremely well. And then really, as the season went along, hit a little bit of a swell there after the Oklahoma State game. And this never really regrouped, never really regained his confidence. But let's remind ourselves, this is a guy that had not really experienced a ton of adversity at any point in his career up to this point. So for him to have a couple bumps in the road is not the end of the world. I think he's going to be just fine as he moves forward into the summer and, of course, into the fall. One thing that I thought was really interesting, though, he finished 16 and 23, 195, a touchdown, no turnovers, which I think was a huge part of his development and progress. But he also didn't really put the offense in any bad situations. And 
we're going to talk in a moment about the receiver core, man. He's got weapons at his disposal. We all know about Xavier Worthy. We're all really excited about what he's going to do again this year. This should come as no surprise. We told you about Isaiah Nair last year, got hurt in preseason camp, but a guy that they were very excited about heading into last year prior to the injury. Now you add A.D. Mitchell, the transfer from Georgia, who had an acrobatic catch there for the touchdown there in the spring game. You got plenty of other weapons, including J.T. Sanders at tight end. This is going to be, if not the best receiving core in the Big 12, it's going to be at or near the top at the very least. So this is a really deep group with capable weapons all over the field. They just got to figure out what the running back situation is going to be. And while I'm encouraged by what I saw from Jaden Blue, while I'm encouraged by what C.J. Baxter did, Jonathan Brooks might be a factor guy as well. And then Keelan Robinson, who didn't play in the spring game, they're going to go four wide at that position. At least that's the indications right now. But when you look at it, man, running back has never really been an issue, at least in my lifetime. I don't recall running back ever being an issue for the Texas Longhorns. So you know the receivers are going to be good. Feel good about the tight end. Running back's probably going to be pretty decent. It's probably not going to be Bijan. Might not even be Roshan. But still going to be pretty good at the running back spot. So not that concerned about that situation. Other than that, this offense is ready-made to roll. And another thing that I think is interesting Look, we don't think, or at least I don't think, that Arch Manning is ready at the moment to be the guy. I mean, just 5 of 13, the guy was running for his life. And there was not a lot of, of help around Arch Manning when he went into the game. Just 5 of 13 for 30 yards. Didn't do a whole lot in the game. But he didn't really put the ball in places it didn't need to go. He didn't try to do too much. And yeah, the stat sheet, not ideal. But he's probably in line for a redshirt year to begin with. The guy that really blew me away was Malik Murphy. And this would be a guy that I think will probably be on a lot of teams' radars if they need a dude in the portal. Six foot five, 235 pounds, finished nine of 13 for 165 and a touchdown. The offense ran smoothly with him in the game, made a couple of impressive deep throws down the field, one of which went to DeAndre Moore, another young receiver that they're pretty excited about. So, and you, you bring in Jontae Cook, too, for a big touchdown down the field as well. So you're looking at a guy in Malik Murphy that might very well, if not be the backup this upcoming year for Quinn Ewers and company. But he could find himself, if the team needs a quarterback, I would imagine that people are reaching out right now to people in Malik Murphy's camp. We'll see exactly where that goes. But either way, it was a really nice performance from him. Clearly knock, locking down, at least at this point, the number two job. The last takeaway, I think, from the Texas Longhorns, you look at and what you listen to out of camp down there. Byron Murphy is a guy that you've heard time and time again. Sounds like he at defensive tackle is starting to come on. Bear Alexander, more on him a little bit later. He's in the portal from Georgia. There's a lot of buzz about him ending up in a Texas Longhorn uniform. So you look at this defensive front. There's a lot of things to like about what we've seen in progressing along both lines of scrimmage under Steve Sarkeesian. Now, two years and just constructing the roster to Sark's specifications. He finally has a team that looks different 
than the one he took over two years ago. They're fortified, bigger, more physical along both lines of scrimmage. They have great speed and athleticism and versatility at wide receiver. The offense should be pretty well positioned to take the next step. Now the defense, will they be able to go alongside that offense to progress? That's something we look forward to finding out. All right, McElroy, moving on to Georgia, the defending national champs. Their offense will be stronger than their defense this year. Overreaction or fair? Fair, at least early on. Now, it's going to sound counterintuitive. If you look at what Georgia's had the last couple of years, man, think about how many great players. We've already referenced all the guys lost off the 2021 team. Well, look at the guys that will ultimately be drafted off the 22 team. Now, there's a bunch of guys that are back that played pivotal roles, Michael Williams, among others. But there's a possibility that the offense might have to lead the way at times this year. But that's not the end of the world. Partly due to the turnover that Georgia's had defensively, but also, too, in that this offense now, man, they look like they might be taking the next step. Carson Beck's a dude now. I'm not going to sit here and go as far as some in saying that he's the legitimate Heisman front runner or anything like that. I've seen headlines, by the way. I've seen tweets. No, I'm not going to go that far. Will he be in the mix? Possibly. Why? Because the Heisman goes to the best player or the most recognizable player on one of the best teams. We all assume that George is going to be one of the best teams, but he looks like someone that has full control of the offense. We've been saying it from the very beginning of the spring. I would have been very, very surprised if Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton were going to do enough to be able to close the gap between Carson Beck and those other guys. Now, Vandegrift, he's going to have his fair share of supporters. Why? Because he's got some mobility. People think he can open up the offense in more ways than one. But if you just look at the command, look, look at how Carson Beck operates from within the offense. Look at how he was not at all overwhelmed going against a defense that was willing to throw the kitchen sink. You don't often see pressures. You don't often see exotics. Well, Kirby Smart's going to throw it at his offense. He wants to see how guys react under pressure. Carson Beck reacted beautifully. So Carson Beck and this receiver core and an offensive line that should be really good and a quality stable of running backs should actually have this offense in a position to maybe be better than they were at any point in 21 and or 22. Why? They just have more weapons. Think about this. This is a Georgia offense that has often had a guy or two. The fact that Brock Bowers led their team in receiving last year with less than 1,000 yards. Number two was Ladd McConkey, who's a really good player, but I don't know if he's the same level as a Dominic Lovett. Certainly, you add a Ra-Ra Thomas into the mix. Ladd McConkey's already there. You got Arian, who's probably going to continue to grow in his role within the offense with the unbelievable speed that he has on the outside as well. Man, the weapons that they have at their disposal are going to be significantly improved from what they were at any point in 22. And that's not taking anything away from Darnell Washington or any of the other great players that suited up in Georgia Bulldog uniforms offensively last year. Just saying that you look at the depth across the board at that position. They're well-positioned to take the leap. And given the turnover that they've had on the defensive side, it would be understandable if it took them a month, maybe a month and a half, before they're totally operating at the level that the standard that's been set there the last couple of years. So I think it's very fair to think at least early on, 
in the 23 season, the offense might be just slightly ahead of the Georgia Bulldogs when putting up points as opposed to shutting teams down on the other side of the ball. Burn your last piece of toast. Avocado's gone bad. Or is the hot sauce bottle completely empty? Try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. You've trusted DoorDash to deliver your restaurant favorites, and now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You'll get exactly what you ordered or we'll make it right. So sit back and enjoy the quality groceries just like you picked them yourself. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $10 value when you use code ACF at checkout. Limited time offer, terms apply. That's 50% off up to $10 on a $15 minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code ACF. Don't forget, that's code ACF for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, McElroy, Florida State has a swagger about them right now. Overreaction or fair? Fair. And it's really started not so much the last year and change, but you kind of got the sense going into last season that they felt like things were going to be different. I mean, we've done the Florida State season opener in each of the last four years. Now, I've been to Tallahassee, Florida, or with the Seminoles in week one every year for four straight. So I feel like I've kind of been able to sense, hey, things are different this year and got that sense going into last season. You could tell just before the season they felt good about themselves. Well, think about capping a 10-win season for the first time since 2016. They're legitimate contenders now for the college football playoff. At least they're certainly in the mix. You name 10 teams. If you don't name Florida State as a possible playoff contender, I think your list is flawed. They're in the mix for sure, especially given the state of the ACC. And you have a possible Heisman candidate in Jordan Travis with how he's grown and developed. It wouldn't be that surprising if he's in the mix at season's end as well. But a couple takeaways for Florida State in evaluating where they've been. Think about what's been a weakness the last several years. Because everything that's been a weakness the last several years is no longer a weakness. You could even go as far as to say all their weaknesses are now strengths, which is a pretty remarkable 180, and it's a tip of the cap to what Mike Norvell, what Alex Atkins, and what the entire offensive and defensive staff have done. Let's start with the wide receivers. Two years ago, I'm not breaking news here. I think a lot of people that followed this program closely would tell you two years ago, Florida State had arguably its worst receiver core of the 21st century. We're talking about Florida State here, right? We're not talking about your run-of-the-mill program. We're talking about Florida State. 
where they have elite weapons almost all the time. Well, two years ago in 21, it was the worst it's ever been. And you can make a case that in 21, that Florida State receiver core was among the worst in the ACC. Well, boom, flip into 22. They go out, they get aggressive in the transfer portal. They add four pieces last year. And Johnny Wilson still didn't play in the spring game this year. We know what he's capable of. Micah Pittman still several months away from returning. So guess what? Knowing you already have a couple of guys that are expected to be difference makers, well, here comes Kentron Poitier. And Poitier has been a guy that's been on their radar for the last couple of years. Now he's just finally given the opportunity. You can make case he's one of their strongest improvers over the course of last season. And it looks like he kind of built on that improvement that he made last fall. Looked like he's built on that now in the spring. Had some incredible athletic plays. The one-hand grab on the sideline, a couple of big highlight reel plays for him as well. Also had a nice block on the perimeter that sprung a touchdown run. We might be fast forwarding and saying, man, from what was an absolute Achilles heel two years ago to the point now where tell me a receiver core in the ACC you'd rather have. It's a testament to Mike Norvell their aggressiveness in the portal, the pieces that they've addressed, and some of the development from within, because it does feel like alongside Wilson, alongside Pittman, in comes Poitier. He might be well positioned to have a breakout season this fall as well. Remember just a couple of years ago, what was also an Achilles heel? The offensive line. The offensive line for Florida State for a five-year period was its worst version of the Florida State offensive line that I think we've ever seen. And they were a turnstile against some of the defenses that they faced. Well, look at how things have adjusted. Look at how much bigger they are. Look at how much more they have continuity. You look at the depth that they showed on Saturday. You look at how things have gone. You got Bless Harris now locking down one particular side. Was a transfer last year, trying to find his footing. He's going to be a difference maker at left tackle. You look all the rest of the way, man. They are really solid across the front, not just along their ones, but along their twos as well. Look at how they can run the football, man. The offensive line under Alex Atkins' tutelage, who came down from Charlotte a few years back and inherited what was a mess. He's really flipped the script there with that group, and now that group has become a strength. And then one other spot that was a little bit of an eyesore for Florida State for quite a while was the second-level defenders, man. Those linebackers, by Florida State standards, remember, when we compare, it's always relative to the standards that have been set by teams and seasons before. Well, the second-level defenders at Florida State the last few years, not quite what you would come to expect. But Kalen Deloach continues to progress. He's been the starting linebacker the last couple of years. There have been moments where you've seen him flash. But now it's getting to the sense where things are really in a good spot. Had the interception early in the Saturday scrimmage. Had a fumble recovery late. Both might have been defensive touchdowns if the game was normal. So think that we have now found that eraser in the middle of the defense for Florida State and Kayla DeLoach. So three things that used to be massive liabilities for the Seminoles have become strengths, which is an indicator of future success 
here in the 23 season. All right, McElroy, how about this one? Lane Kiffin will challenge the, if you have three quarterbacks, you don't have one, stigma that's around college football. Overreaction or fair? Overreaction. There's just no way you can possibly justify splitting reps three ways in the fall. You can tell me, hey, I know how to do it. I know how to develop the guys. I know how to get who needs what reps in order to make sure they can progress in that particular area. All those things, I would be shocked if this quarterback competition isn't at least whittled down to at least two, to to at most two in fall camp. Now, here's the conundrum. You listen to everybody and talk to everybody around Ole Miss's program. Jackson Dart has had a fire lit under him this offseason because of the new additions. You bring in Walker Howard from LSU. You bring in Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State. That's going to wake you up a little bit for the incumbent. Why? Because it's like, why do you need to go out and get guys? I'm already here. I'm going to show you why it was a mistake for you to go out and bring in these new additions. It's going to light a fire. Under any competitor, it's going to light a fire. So by all accounts, Jackson Dart has adjusted his process and now is more capable of being the leader that Lane Kiffin feels like his offense needs to complement that run game, which you know is going to continue to be legit. Spencer Sanders has the highest ceiling, or at least based on his athleticism, his pedigree, how many games he's played, how many attempts he has throwing and running the football at the Division I level, it would be understandable if he was the guy to beat. That's still at this point where I lean. I think Jackson Dart is a terrific player. I think Spencer Sanders is a terrific player. And I think Walker Howard here in a couple of years might be a terrific player. But at this point, it's almost impossible to get a good gauge of what Spencer Sanders might be for the Rebels this fall. Why? Because in the spring, he was a little bit limited with that shoulder injury. And he really needs more reps I mean, Jackson Dart's understanding of the system when they want to play with tempo, when it requires almost no thinking because of how quickly you have to process information, Jackson Dart just has way more rep equity. So Spencer Sanders has to overcome an awful lot to ultimately overtake Jackson Dart. I think ultimately this thing is going to come down to the wire. But for us to properly gauge where Spencer Sanders is, he has to be at full speed. He has to be at full strength, neither of which was going on throughout the course of the spring or spring game. But there were some positives to take away from Sanders' performance. Even though it's tough to gauge mobility, especially with the quarterback in the spring game, there was something to say about how he was able to run around in an Oklahoma State uniform. The guy's got 500 career rushing attempts at the Power 5 level. I've seen him move. I've seen him shake. I've seen him shimmy. He's going to be just fine as he transitions to the SEC going against those defenses that he'll see on a week-to-week basis. So this is something that is very much still up in the air. A lot of people clamoring saying, well, I think Ole Miss, I mean, you're going to lose one, maybe two of those quarterbacks in your quarterback room. How? Right now, the NCAA is tightening the restrictions on guys that are transferring for a second time. You can apply for a waiver, but they're harder to get today than they were a year ago, than they were six months ago, than they are right now. So I actually think 
that there's a real possibility that both Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, and Walker Howard are all going to be there in the fall. Don't know for sure, but based on Lane Kiffin's willingness and aggressiveness in trying to bring them in, it's almost like he knows they can't go anywhere. So I think they're all going to be around. I think this quarterback competition goes to the very end. But ultimately, Lane, I think, will will play one. He'll settle on one, and then he might be willing to have a quick hook if he feels like that guy's not playing up to his capabilities or if the offense has stalled at any point in the season. All right, staying in the Magnolia State, Zach Arnett's personnel moves at Mississippi State will pay off. Overreaction or fair? Overreaction at this point. Because it doesn't mean that these hires won't ultimately work out. It's just we can't draw conclusions based on a spring game performance. I can't sit there and say, oh, see, I told you Kevin Barbet was the right man for the offensive coordinator job. I don't know. (laughs) A spring game performance is going to lead me down that rabbit hole to make me feel great about that move. I I can't tell you that. But I will say this. I love the style of offense that Kevin Barbet is bringing to Starkville, Mississippi. I love stretch zone. I love how they marry stretch zone to the boot action game. I love how they get defenses flowing horizontally. I love how you have speed at running back and you just stretch it horizontally and then one cut, get vertical. I love the balance that Zach Arnett's offense is going to play with, with the application of the Appalachian State offense. So I love the hire, have loved it from the beginning. I just can't tell you that based on their performance in the spring game, oh, without question, this is the right man for the job. I'm cautiously optimistic, but I certainly don't know. It all starts with under center, pistol, shotgun. They're still going to run all of that. But the emphasis on running the football is something I'm very interested in. And couple with the fact that they have pretty good skill on the perimeter. Tula Griffin's a guy. I mean, he's got big time speed. He's got big time energy. And you're able to see that pretty quickly. I mean, one of the bigger scheme adjustments that you're going to see in this style of attack are jet sweep actions and end arounds. Well, Tulu Griffin is going to thrive in this system if he gets a few of those a game. Why? Because he's got elite game breaking speed. You saw it already. A guy that was pretty dang impressive running the football. One of the biggest highlights of the game was a handoff to Lou Griffin and him being able to create on his own. But it's not going to take away from Will Rogers, who is arguably still your best offensive player. Nine of the first 14 plays were run plays by the first team offense. That just tells you, look, they're going to showcase a new balanced attack. But to take the ball out of Will Rogers' hands would probably be a mistake. So what do you want to do with Will Rogers? You're going to keep things in that he's very comfortable with. So I saw some of the air raid principles and philosophy with the drop pack passing game scattered throughout the plan. I also saw heavy play action passing attack, which I didn't think was going to be a huge part of what Mike Leach did at any point. But guess what? Under Kevin Barbet, play action passing attack is really big. Look at the result. Xavion Thomas had that one-handed catch on a 55-yard touchdown reception. So there's a lot to like about how this offense is going to be installed, and I'm really excited to see where it goes from here because that was just a taste on Saturday. I'm very curious to see where it's going to be when we get the whole meal here in the fall 
on Saturdays against SEC competition. All right, and last one here. The young Clemson players will make an impact this year. Overreaction or fair? Fair. Now, it's easy to set up and say, well, look at some of the opportunities that might present themselves, but look at how many young guys already started to move the needle. I mean, Peter Woods is going to be a problem. Okay, he's going to be a problem for opposing offenses in the ACC. This is a guy that was already doing a lot of impressive things. How's this for, you know, uh, you got seven tackles, a sack, tackle for loss. I mean, that's pretty dang impressive in your first opportunity there in the spring to showcase your ability. So keep an eye on Peter Woods. You also need to keep an eye on Steph Green. A nice debut performance as well, a guy that they're pretty excited about. But don't lose sleep of don't lose sight of cornerback Khalil Barnes, who scored a game-winning touchdown on a pick six with the buck 36 left in the fourth quarter as well. So you look at some of the young guys already that were making some plays for the Tigers. It does feel like a year where there could be some young guys that sneak into the rotation given the fact that there is some turnover at pivotal spots. The other thing that I thought was really encouraging with Clemson this past weekend, the linebacker core looks excellent. Think a Trenton Simpsons leaves. He's such a good player. But you look at what Barrett Carter is. You look at what Jeremiah Trotter Jr. is. They're in really good shape. I think the duo can probably go with just about anybody in college football at the linebacker spot. And you bring in Wade Woodass, and he's you know one of those guys that just looks a little better every time he steps out there. He's a guy that clearly has grown and has gotten more comfortable within what they want to be defensively. And then on the other side of the ball. I'm not going to spend a ton of time concerned about the offensive performance. I've told you already, I don't usually overreact to spring game performances. They're breaking a new system. They're trying to learn new personnel. They're trying to figure a bunch of stuff out. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time being concerned. But I hope, I hope that they can figure things out. They're without several starting offensive linemen. They're without multiple wide receivers. They're without running back Will Shipley. Like, I mean, you look at it, man. It's just tough to get a gauge of the offense. But if there's one thing that you could learn from that Clemson spring game is that defense was dominant. So was it more about the offense's ineptitude or was it more about the defense's dominance? It's kind of one and the same. So I would like things to have been a little bit more balanced. But either way, let's not freak out and panic just yet about what Clemson's going to be offensively. They're going to be just fine. Garrett Riley, the new offensive coordinator, is going to get it figured out. Cade Klubnick's going to be just fine. They're going to be okay. But the defense, that's a for real group at all three levels, or at least it feels like at this point. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight 
S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All right, a couple news and notes as we kind of put a bow on the weekend that was. A couple of notable names in the transfer portal, but I also must say, just full disclosure, the transfer portal at the end of spring was a little quiet. Now, there's some guys that are still going through their spring practices. So there's more games coming up this Saturday. There'll probably be more guys in the portal. But when there's a 15-day window to enter the portal, and there's really not a whole lot of notable names, it's a little bit surprising. I thought there'd be more. I must say, I thought there'd be more. To say the least, there was really only a few guys that you might have heard of. Let's start with one of the bigger names in the portal. That's Bear Alexander. He was the number 56 recruit in the ESPN 300 from last year. Played well in the national championship game. Had two sacks in that game and only played 163 defensive snaps. Had nine total tackles in his true freshman season. It's already buzz about him going to Texas. I can't confirm that at this point, but I know a lot of people will be in demand of his services, a young player that showed some promise late in the year last year. Other names of note, a center from Texas A&M, Matthew Wyckoff, was pretty good player last year for the Aggies. Now, not a great offensive line last year, a group that kind of underachieved, but in 545 total snaps, he allowed just one sack. So if you're looking to fortify the interior part of your offensive line, maybe Matthew Wyckoff will join your team. One thing of note, though, there with Wyckoff, he's the 26th Aggie to enter the transfer portal since December. So a lot of turnover for Jimbo Fisher and his staff. That is something that needs to at least be noted. Oklahoma State lost their left tackle, Caleb Atn. He announced Friday that he will enter the transfer portal. It was a two offensive players last year for Oklahoma State to start every single game. He's 6'7", he's 330. Juco transfer in 21, started just three games. So maybe he would be a guy that you could bring in and potentially patchwork your offensive line. And then finally, Auburn's Jeffrey Emba is going to be heading to the portal as well. I wouldn't say this guy's a crazy difference maker, but he's a good provider of depth. I thought this was a decent loss for the Auburn Tigers. He was the number one JUCO recruit in the country in the 22 class. So a guy that they would love to have just for depth purposes, but he'll be in the portal as well. So a couple of big time offensive linemen, a couple of defensive linemen that will certainly help you out as well, but kind of quiet on the transfer portal front as it opened up this past Saturday. And then one final piece of news, Ohio State offensive coordinator, Brian Hartline, was hospitalized after what he called his side-by-side was in a wreck there over the weekend. He's okay. He has since been released. Non-life-threatening injuries, but still a scary moment there for the up-and-coming coordinator that's done an amazing job with Ohio State's wide receivers the last couple of years. So glad that he's okay and hopeful that he can have a speedy recovery, get back to 100%, and get back out there on the field as soon as humanly possible. Furthest you've ever thrown it? Between 75 and 80 yards, yeah. On um, two feet or on your knee? With a crow hop, yeah. <laughs> All right, 50 yard line from the knees. I think on my knee, I could get around, around 65, yeah, because I hit the crossbar from 50, so.
pretty, yeah. <laughs> pretty good. How much you want to bet I can throw a football over them mountains? <laughs> yeah, if Coach would have put me in the fourth quarter, we would want to say championship. Napoleon Dynamite, kind of an underrated football movie. On the Clock has been a great, great resource for us that are fans of the draft process and have gotten to know some of these guys over the last several years. Well, up this week is Will Levis. Hoping to become a top 10 pick, Will Levis' journey is one that has been extremely polarizing. Started his career at Penn State, was beaten out for the job, transferred to Kentucky where he had a terrific junior year, but the senior year was not quite as special. We know he's got unbelievable talent. We know he can throw it a country mile. We know he's accurate and athletic. We know that there have been moments in which he's played really good football, but those moments at times have been few and far between. So on the clock is going to be a great opportunity for us to dive into the player. Why did he have those ups and downs? Why was he sporadic from time to time? Why did the offense not click last year for the Wildcats the way it clicked for them in 2021? All those answers will come Monday night on the clock with Will Levis. You'll get breakdowns from Eli and Peyton. You'll get the interview with Will Levis. You'll follow him throughout the season last year. It'll be a great look behind the curtain as to what makes this guy tick. So check it out tonight. That's on your ESPN family of networks, and you always can find it on ESPN+. That'll do it for us here at Always College Football. Please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out, and it helps the show out. Please continue to interact with us via our mailbag, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com or alwayscfb at Twitter and on Instagram. So check us out on our social media as well. It'll be really huge to interact with us, and we appreciate all the questions you've already submitted. We're all stacked up. We're going to continue to get those as we get into the offseason. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack, for Mark, I'm Greg, Jake as well. We appreciate you. Remember, it's always college football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.